So as much as he thought it was true, he was tricked. Perhaps because he, he'd heard that there were canals, then he wanted to see canals and he saw them. Or maybe he just mistook the natural geographic features for canals. Some have even suggested that, that he had kind of a, a rare uh, thing going on with his eyes where he was actually, when looking through the, the, the telescope, he was seeing uh, his veins in his eyes. Uh, and they've named a syndrome after it, Lowell syndrome, uh, or something to that effect. All based on a guy who was sure there were canals when in fact there were no canals. You know, it's easy to be tricked, either by wishing something to be true, by having bad information, or by our senses deceiving us. It's easy to be tricked. And that's why, as we get into our, our study for today, we find the very opening words of our passage. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Some powerful counsel to keep in mind as we approach life, where it's easy to be fooled, even by ourselves. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. And as we open it up, we got to remember, this was a letter. It was written probably to the church in Ephesus. It has historical background and context. Um, while there's application for us today, the primary recipients were the people 2,000 years ago, approximately, in Ephesus. So we got to read it with that understanding in mind. It says there, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. Spirit here being used to, to refer to uh, every teaching, every teacher, or every manifestation that appears like it's from the Spirit of God. Don't believe everything. Let me ask you, do you believe everything you hear? When you, when you hop on the internet, do you believe every single thing you read? When you get those emails from people, do you believe everything in those... When you watch the news, do you believe everything in the news? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We live in an especially confusing time, right? We live in an especially confusing time. But back then, there were different issues that were going on. There were different fake news, fake theology that was being taught. And so, you know, the writer says, don't believe every spirit, but instead test the spirits. We've got to put it to a test. Process the things that you hear. You know, sometimes I get messages on Facebook or emails and it's saying, hey, Facebook is going to start charging this amount of money, so you, if you make this post and you put this here, then it's going to be free for you, and, and you only have 10 days to do it. And so I just do a simple Google search, and I see, oh, this same thing was circulated four years ago, and then eight years ago it was circulated. And I realized, man, we got to test things. And sometimes people put stuff online, and then they realize, oops, that was created by Russians, right? They made that news story. That wasn't actually a real story. So we got to test the information that we process and interact with in our own lives, how much more in the spiritual realm, right? You know, we think about movies that sometimes people watch and they think are portraying historical accuracies. I like watching Bible movies. I like watching films. It gives you some ideas maybe lets your imagination picture things a little bit better. 
But as you watch them, you've got to say, okay, now, is this, is this in the Bible or not? Right? Did this really happen like that? And, and some details we just don't know, but other things we do know. Or there, you know, there's that film series, uh, The Da Vinci Code, the book and the, the movie several years ago, and it was supposed to be based on, like, historical facts, and, and they said that the Bible was approved by this council by a relatively close vote. The vote wasn't close at all. It wasn't close at all. It was like 400 to a very small number. I have to look up the exact number. And, and really what it was, is was people recognizing the intrinsic value of the canon, of the, of the books of the Bible, recognizing, not giving it the value. It was the church, people saying, this has the stamp of inspiration on it, and we want to publicly declare it. It wasn't them saying, okay, which books do you like and which books don't you like? Um, so we got to test the spirits. And this was especially true on John's day. Why? Test whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Just in Matthew 24, Jesus said false Christs and false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Uh, that was being fulfilled, and it was happening there in the church of Ephesus. False Christs and false prophets. We've got to test it to see whether they're from God or not. You know, even here in our own lives, we need to test what we hear. Test what I hear. Don't just say, oh, Pastor John said this, and therefore it's true. Um, I would like to think that it's true, but we need to test what we hear. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I grew up, um, watching some programs on PBS, and there was a program called Reading Rainbow. Anyone ever see Reading Rainbow? So there was a little slogan that I think we can take from LeVar Burton, and if we can make sure the sound is up. He said this, and the kids said this, and we should say this also. Okay, let's see. Maybe we can... The, the, the audio is too good on this. I'm going to make sure we're up back here. Okay, we'll try it again, because you're going to enjoy this, especially those of you who watched this. But you don't have to take my word for it. Remember that? Okay. You don't have to take my word for it. They would recommend a book. Hey, I read about this book, and it had dinosaurs in it, and it was really great. But you don't have to take my word for it. And the same is true. When you come to church, listen, take notes, have your Bible open. But just remember, I'm just an ordinary person at the end of the day. We need to make sure we're comparing Scripture with Scripture, just like the faithful Bereans were doing, to see whether these things are so. So how do we test our beliefs? How do we test the things that come to us? As Christians, this is the standard, uh, the Bible. But if we're not reading our Bibles, it's hard for us to compare what we hear, right? If we don't know what's in the book, it's hard for us to know whether something is true or not. So we need to be spending time outside of church, studying, reading, getting to know God, getting to know Jesus. A false prophet can simply be a false teacher. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. So we've got to process the things that we're hearing. 
Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is how much light in them? No light in them. There were a lot of false teachers in John's day. Verse 2. But by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. In John's day, in particular, they were dealing with these heresies that were saying Jesus is divine, excuse me, but not necessarily uh, was he a human, or he was only a human part of the time. So, for example, there was one school of thought that said Jesus was just some ordinary dude, and then when he got baptized, the word, or God, came down and inhabited him at his baptism. And then at the cross, just before the cross, God went back up to heaven, and then Jesus, the ordinary dude, died. So that was one of the teachings that's going on. The people really didn't have a hard time believing that Jesus was divine. They had a harder time believing that he was also a human. Today, it's kind of the opposite, huh? So so John, in his particular context, is saying, no, 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 no. You want to test the spirits, we got to make sure that that these so-called teachers, these so-called prophets, these preachers, we got to make sure that they're teaching that Jesus came in the flesh, that he was an actual human being as well as being a divine being. Is this making sense? So it's not the only test, but in John's day, that was the present truth test. Prior to John's day, the the big issue was, who's the Messiah? Well, Jesus is the Messiah. That was the most important message. And after people were starting to get that concept, then later on, there were these other heresies that were present truth that needed to be accounted for. You know, I'm finding that even today, there are some people who are confused about who Jesus was. Uh, and, and perhaps even today there are people who question whether Jesus ever existed. But there is so much good evidence that assures us Jesus was an actual human being. He lived. Oh, you know, don't have to take- oh, don't have to take my word for it. You can do your own studying. Just a couple of little brief examples. This box, the bone box, ossuary, this was from Caiaphas, from his family. So you've read about him, you've heard about him. Well, that, that box was containing or contains bones from either he or his family members. Uh, this, this picture here was from a young man who got crucified. That's a heel bone. And, uh, and this is a, a seven-inch nail spike that was through his heel, showing crucifixion the way the Bible describes it. But here's what I find even more fascinating. I can show you from non-Christian sources. So outside of the Bible, ancient Christian sources, and we can learn all these things. We can learn from ancient historians. Jesus lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar. We can learn that he lived a virtuous life, that he was a wonder worker. These authors didn't necessarily profess faith in Jesus, but they recognized that people saw him doing these alleged miracles. Um, And it's up to us whether we believe that they happened or not. We know he had a brother named James. We know that people were calling him the Messiah and that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. We know historically, outside of biblical authors, that he was crucified on the eve of the Jewish Passover. There was darkness and an earthquake when he died. We know his disciples believed that he rose from the dead. 
that wasn't just a myth. Historians outside of the Bible admit that his disciples at least had that belief. And we know that his disciples were willing to die for their belief. Christianity spread rapidly as far as Rome, and his disciples denied the Roman gods and worshipped Jesus as God. So it's really not, doesn't make any sense for us to deny historically that there was a man named Jesus and that all these things were said about him or happened surrounding his life. So we're faced with the, the choice. Jesus was either a lunatic, he, he was totally crazy, he was a liar, he just made up everything, or he was the Lord. Because we know historically he existed. And these are facts that we know about him. Here's just an example. This comes from Josephus. He was a Jewish historian. He wrote this, I, I think, around 109 um, A.D. He didn't believe in Christ. He never accepted Christ, but he wrote about the history of the Jews. He said, about this time there arose Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of, many mar of, of marvelous deeds and a teacher of men who gladly received the truth. And when Pilate had condemned him to the cross, those who loved him at first did not cease to do so. And even to this day, there is the race of Christians who are named from him has not died out. Josephus recognizes there was a man named Christ. There were people who were followers of him. Uh, he was condemned to the cross, etc. What about the Roman historian Tacitus in, in his writing called the Annals? Christus, from whom the name Christians had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius, i.e. crucifixion, at the hand of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a deadly superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of evil, but also in the city. Because of this Christ character, there was this deadly superstition, there was this movement that was spawned, which was checked for a time, but then spread to the city. Uh, here, I believe, a reference to Rome itself. Outside of the Bible, people admitting, sure, Jesus was a real guy. A real guy. He lived, and all these things happened. So we have to choose who's Jesus to us. Is he crazy? Was he lying to us? Or is he the Lord? So John says, we've got to test the spirits. False spirits are in the world. But in his day, he was saying, you can tell the Spirit of God by whether or not somebody knows the truth and professes the truth about who Jesus was. Verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. We talked a couple weeks ago about the spirit of Antichrist, denying Christ in your life, denying to Christ in your witness. There are many manifestations of the spirit of Antichrist. For us today, we could think about it like this. Not confessing the truth about Jesus in our life and in our words. That word confess in Greek um, carries more than just a verbal connotation to it. It also has this idea, it appears, of professing something in the way you live. So are you professing Christ, the truth about him in your words? Are you professing the truth about Christ in the way that you live? 
I want to. How about you? I want people to see the true Jesus through my life, through my example, through my words. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, these false teachers, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The people in John's day in Ephesus were, over to, were they able to overcome false teachings, false spirits, because they had a better spirit in their own life. There's a lot of falsehood in our world. There's a lot of evil in our world. There are, there are demonic forces trying to take our souls and, and take them to destruction. But if we have a greater power in our life, all the forces of hell can't take us down. Amen? You know, sometimes people are so terrified of the devil. And it kind of makes sense because he's like this extremely powerful being that wants to ruin our lives and kill us. So naturally, you know, it's not somebody we'd want to cozy up to. But you know who I'm more afraid of? The person I'm more afraid of than the devil is myself. Flip Wilson, the comedian, used to say, Hi, Maurice. <laughs> Good to see you. That's my friend Maurice. Everybody say, hi, Maurice. Hi, Maurice. <laughs> you can talk to him afterwards. <laughs> I'll tell you some stories about him. <laughs> There's a comedian. His name was Flip Wilson. He used to say, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil can tempt us, but the devil cannot force us to do something unless we've already given our heart and life and soul to him. Right? We always have the choice. And if the, if the spirit of the ultimate God is inhabiting our heart and life, the devil cannot do anything to force us into sin. If we have that power in our life, that power is far greater than any power that's in the world. If you're scared at night, if you're scared about thinking about Dark things, don't think about those things. Invite the light into your heart and life. Let it fill you. And it doesn't matter whether it's deception or whether it's a demonic attack. If you're filled with the Holy God, what can man, what can demons do to you? So John says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Speaking of these false teachers in verse 5, he says, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. You know, the world seems to like lies better than truth a lot of times. You know? Uh, and, and the same was true in John's day. These false teachers had these ideas about who Christ was, and, and people who, who didn't have Christ in their hearts, they were ready to receive him. They were ready to listen to them. Verse 6, he says, we're of God, we the apostles, we're the ones who've been given this truth, and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. The people who were accepting the truth about who Jesus was from the apostles, from the people who were eyewitnesses, who walked and talked with him, those were the people whom God had been working in their life, who'd been open to the Spirit of God in their lives. And he says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The people who were, who were willing to let the Holy Spirit teach them the truth 
about who Jesus was were those who were living in truth, had not fallen into error. And so that's our passage for today. So what do we do with what we've heard? Let's, let's summarize what we've heard so far. Number one, we need to discern what truth is. Amen? We need to be careful and discern what truth is. My dad used to say this little rhyme. He, he said, I'm Popeye the sailor man. I live in a garbage can. I eat all the worms and spit out the germs. I'm Popeye the sailor man. Has anyone else ever heard that? Oh, okay. It must, must be a... I don't know. Tell me later where you learned that. Uh, that's a popular rhyme. Jaden, thank you. Did you learn that at school? No. No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So uh, the point that my dad was trying to make is there's a lot of junk in this world. And apparently worms were desirable in this rhyme. So, because you're eating the worms and spitting out the germs. But there's a lot of junk in this world, and we can't avoid it altogether. But we can filter it and process it. So number one, we need to discern what truth is. Number two, we want to profess what the truth is. Confess with our words and with our lives the truth about who Jesus is. Let people who don't believe see Jesus, feel Jesus, experience Jesus through you. And that can be really hard to do. But we, we're not left alone. Because the third point is that when we're filled with the spirit of truth, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Discern the truth. Confess, profess the truth. And let the truth live in your hearts and lives. It will guard us against demonic forces. It will help guard us against the devil's deceptions. There was a missionary a number of years ago who was telling about his experience in the mission field. When he got there, he was introduced to this car that he was going to be using to get him around from point A to point B. And the car had this one problem. It just, it ran fine, but it wouldn't start fine. It was hard to start. And in fact, it only really started if, if you gave it a push start or if you started it on a hill. And so, you know, the first time getting it started, he, he thought, well, what can I do? And he went to the school and had all the kids come out real quick and they pushed the car and he popped it into gear and he got it started. And then on his visits to the villages and different places, he would either park it on a hill or leave the engine running. And that's what he did for two years. Well, at the end of those two years, he got sick, well, during those two years, and another missionary came to take his place. And as the, the one missionary was explaining all the issues, now, see, you got to leave it running, or you got to have it on a hill. And the second missionary said, well, let me look under the hood. So he looks under the hood, and he kind of tinkers with it for a few minutes, and he says, well, you know, I think there's just a loose wire in here. And he tightens this wire, and they turn the key, and wouldn't you know it, the car starts up instantly. The power had been there all along. They just weren't tapping into it. There's a power in our universe that God invites us to tap into, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
invited into our heart every single day and lived out through the power of His Spirit, confessing the truth to others in what we say, in how we live, discerning truth from error, and living joyfully, experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need to ask for this power more than we do. We need to long for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives more than we do. If we keep on doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep on getting what we've been getting. And I need more power in my life. How about you? Let's tap into the source of that power each and every day. Let's pray. Loving Lord, I'm so thankful that you didn't just set us adrift in this world without some help. Lord Jesus, when you left, you said, I'm going away, but it's good because I'm going to send you another helper, a comforter, the spirit of truth. And so, Lord, we want that spirit in our lives. We need it in our lives. There's deception that we need to be careful about, and there are people we need to witness to, and battles in our own life that we need to face. So fill us, Lord, more and more each day, if there are areas in our life where we've been hindering the work of your Spirit, show them to us so that we can be more open to receiving more of you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a happy Sabbath and go in God's Spirit.